Welcome to Regeneration Studio. I'm Katerina and this is another journey into creative business ideas and how they transform individuals and communities. Wow, we've made it to episode 20. And gosh, so much has happened in the last month. We've had some incredible guests these last couple of weeks and this episode is going to be no different. But before we dive in, just to let you know, our YouTube channel is up and running. Come and discover the wonderful, funny and sometimes bizarre sights of the North with us. The best in business, art, culture and other extraordinary things. And wait for it, we've got an app too. Now, some of you might be wondering what is going to be a purpose of an app, but looking ahead to the future of podcasts, we are one of the first shows to collaborate with PodSquad to explore the possibilities of an app for podcasters. A kind reminder, please subscribe to our channel and download our app. Let us know what you think and what you would like to see in future versions. Now, without keeping you waiting any longer... As some of you might know, for every 10th episode, we invite an individual or business owner who has changed our lives and really, really, really inspired us. For episode 20, there was only one thing on my mind. Coffee and the coolest coffee roastery in the Northeast, Roundton Coffee Roasters. So let's go to the beautiful North Yorkshire countryside and find out why. Have you ever opened a bag of coffee beans? Have you ever stepped into a coffee shop as that coffee grinder comes to a halt? The aroma of freshly ground coffee rapidly overwhelms every part of your body, leaving you in suspense, waiting for that first drop of black liquid magic. The granary, home to North Yorkshire's first specialty coffee roaster, Roundton Coffee, gives you that feeling in the freshest way all the time. It is coffee paradise in the Yorkshire Moors, and in another universe, I would have dropped everything to immerse myself in this paradise. It was there in the granary shortly after they started, and with an innocent excitement of not knowing where it all would lead, where I had my first interview with founder Dave Beatty and head roaster Dave Burton. It was also there that I learned for the first time about the process of sourcing and roasting coffee and what set Roundton apart from other coffee roasters. From a local perspective, they are my go-to place for anything coffee. And as a business, they have grown. And as they've grown, they've surprised me, inspired me and amazed me. And therefore, always have me knocking on their door for another interview. I have probably done about two blog articles before this, but they're always growing. So here I am once again with a cup of coffee in front of me. Absolutely delighted to welcome Dave Beatty to the show. Welcome, Dave. Thank you for the introduction. So to give our listeners an idea of who you are, imagine there is a film soon to be released called Mountain Coffee. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer? Okay, so I've, <laughs> this is a very interesting question. And uh, first I need to define what a, what a film trailer is. And a film trailer is, 
is something which is going to uh, encapsulate something within 30 seconds. To try to do that in a, in a film of Round and Coffee is is going to show uh, a lot of chaos, but a lot of calm uh, and, uh, and a lot of coffee. So the three C's. So I think if you can kind of do that in a 30 second shot, you'll get an idea of what life is like in, uh, in Rounds and Coffee. So something like the grinding of the coffee beans, going to the cup of coffee, being drunk really calmly. And that is the coffee in itself. It is, yeah. But the journey itself is just chaos. Uh, okay. You know, starting yes. a new business, start, you know, anything like that. There's yes. a lot of chaos that um, that mm -hmm. is that comes from it. And, and I think if you if you want somebody to, to watch the film, then you need to add a little bit of excitement. And that's where the chaos comes from. All right. So we are going to find out a little bit about the chaos, but also all of the rewards that come with starting your own business, especially if it's a coffee business. Part one. Humble Origins, Legendary Coffee. Humble characterizes where you started and the steps along your entrepreneurial journey. Setting up a coffee roastery in North Yorkshire, which is a rather unlikely location, I'd say. However, you did not go straight from college or university into the world of coffee. There was a whole period in your life spent in the corporate rat race. What motivated you to become an engineer, which is what you studied, and what factors made you decide to leave behind the comforts of the corporate world? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I think when when you're at school, um, you know, you're presented with a school uh, achievement record, and you're asked, where do you picture yourself in the future? So you try to pigeonhole yourself in in a career or a path that. Um, that you embark upon and and engineering was never really on my agenda I was never really very good at science I never thought I was I didn't like it when I finished physics chemistry and biology at school I thought well good riddance mm -hmm. um, but somehow I ended up uh, in an apprenticeship um, and I was studying chemical technology and it was from there really when I became sponsored by uh, you know a big chemical company and they paid for my education. And then I just ended up on a path. And for me, it was a path of least resistance, really. It was something that I, I ended up enjoying. Um, so so there was no reason to stop it. But, but I think when life is like that, is that life just is mapped out for you. And, and I think, and it was mapped out for me and I enjoyed it. You know, uh, I can't say that I, I didn't enjoy it, but I think there's always a desire to do something of your own mm -hmm. uh, volition. And, and that was always something that was in the back of my mind. And that was something that I, I absolutely had to feed that desire to do something that I had a decision in, in making. So, so I became a, an engineer. I was running a a chemical site mm -hmm. and all the stars and stripes and all that kind of stuff but you know I was just deeply unsatisfied um, nice wage all the kind of things that you could really want to have but just really felt completely unfulfilled so and and in the mean all this time I was working in the kind of for the man I guess I was doing a little little bit of traveling and and mm -hmm. whatnot and ultimately I decided that I wanted to travel Okay. So, so that was where the desire came from, really. All right. 
And then having left your, your job as a chemical processing engineer, I think that's what you did. Uh, you embarked on a life-changing trip inspired by this love of traveling that you discovered. And you chose a rather unusual way to go about the traveling. You traveled by train through various countries. And what was the reason for the trip? And what are the most important lessons that you've learned along the way? So the the, the trip was really just about trying to you know, see the world, uh, but traveling from A to B, but actually enjoying the journey. So, you know, flying to Australia and spending a full year in Australia for me is not traveling. It's just living in another country. So for me, it, I wanted to try and seek some enjoyment in the traveling itself. And um, so I decided to travel by train. So so I, I travelled from Middlesbrough train station. I went down to London, to Paris, through Poland, sorry, Germany, Poland, Eastern Europe, up into Russia, through Russia, Trans-Siberian, uh, and then down into Mongolia, China, and, and just continued travelling until I was almost a broken man because it was just so tiring. It was really tiring. Which train was your favourite? Or which country's train? Should I rather um... Like it's oh, that's a that's an interesting question. I think they're all oh Japan naturally Japan oh, yes. is just amazing yeah. uh, and and really well known obviously for the bullet train. So that yeah. was that was such a breeze traveling in in Japan on the yeah. train. I used to live in Japan, so yeah, I know all about it. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but it was extremely difficult traveling on train in China, in Mongolia, mm-hmm. and in Russia, uh, and just being. You know, just just being in amongst it yeah. at these times where border crossings are, are not the most easiest to navigate. Okay. You know, so yeah, it, it's. Um, but that's part of the fun. Looking back on it exactly. now, that's part of the fun. That's the journey you wanted yeah, to experience, exactly, isn't it? Exactly. But the, the question yeah. about what did I learn along yeah. the way, and this were, this is a, a, a very interesting point, because we all live at the moment in uh, with a blanket of fear. fear around us about how how frightening that the world actually is and um, so I left Middlesbrough train station with this fear of the outside world and for every new destination that I was going to be going to I thought this is you know this is going to happen this is going to happen I'm going to meet some nasty people I'm going to be um, you know I'm going to be mugged this that the other I've heard so many nasty stories about x y and z Mm -hmm. And actually, you get to these places and you realise that the world is not a bad place at all and people are not bad in general. You know, Mm. there are some people out there that you don't want to cross. But ultimately, people are out there and very inviting and welcoming uh, to people who are travelling through their their towns and countries. Okay, that's a wonderful thing to learn, especially in the current climate where... To be honest, I think we're all a little bit afraid to just kind of leave our hometown, well, where we are living yeah. at, at the moment. Okay, so you you travel through Europe, Russia, Asia, all these countries, and you eventually ended up in a, the Indonesian island of Sumatra, where you encountered coffee and coffee farmers. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happened there? Yeah, um, again, I was just... Um, I, in Sumatra mm-hmm. and what I didn't know at the time was that Sumatra was uh, you know very dependent upon coffee as a 
a product. And uh, a place that I stayed at was a, a little uh, German bakery, uh, and it was in the northern part of Sumatra. And whilst I was there, I, I saw uh, I saw roasting coffee happening. It was on a little bench roaster, and all this green coffee. And I was just absolutely gobsmacked. I've never seen anything like this before. Okay. Um, so, so for me, that just invoked something in me. The next day I hopped on a scooter, got a loose idea of where I was going to, and I'd arranged to meet a coffee farmer who actually grew this produce for this uh, mm-hmm. German bakery. So six hours through the jungle on a, on a scooter, and somehow I ended up at this plantation, and that's where, that's where it all started really, because that's, that, that's the first encounter with the farmer, okay. and who was you know, desperate for, for me to buy his mm-hmm. produce. So was he exporting at the time or? So I think that, yeah, the biggest prize for, for somebody, you know, in that position is to be able to find somebody to, to sell their coffee to mm-hmm. rather than a domestic customer. Okay. Um, you know, so an export, being able to export and sell your uh, your coffee to to a UK roaster or a roaster around the, the world is is an opportunity for them to, to make more money on, on what they they Yes, they of make. course. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, just to put this all in context, so so this was a fairly small farm. Yeah. Um, um, as yes. with many of the farms that we operate in, it's uh, just a, it was a, a cooperative. Okay. But the 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 the, the guy that we met, um, he had a, a small holding. So mm-hmm. the, the, the the typically the the grow coffee is a cash crop. It's yes. um, you know they might have a couple of acres of land if that, mm-hmm. and then they'll they'll grow some coffee in there. Uh, that will then be contributed into a, a cooperative, yes. so they'll sell that into the cooperative, and the cooperative will then sell that okay, onto. So yes. Yeah, so it's, like it's, it's kind of generally uh, yeah. blended. So he was part of a cooperative. Okay. Yeah. So he wasn't directly selling necessarily to a, a buyer. Well, he was. Se- yeah. Well, so, so in, the dream yeah. for him is to sell directly Direct. to a buyer, yes. okay. as opposed yes. to selling it to a cooperative yes, where he exactly. just gets, you know, yeah, he not get so much. Money. Yeah. Okay. After your experience at this coffee farm, did you work there just to know? No, I was oh, just okay. there. You no, were just there. Just, you just, just encountered there. it. Um, yeah, I spent some time there. Yes, and then what did you envision for your life when you returned to the UK? It. Interesting because at that point I realised that coffee was something I was extremely interested in because the process, the logistics, the the subject itself was just something I wanted to learn more about. And um, but I didn't really know where I fit into the whole thing. I just realised that I was going to prize my way into this industry somehow, but I just didn't know where I would kind mm-hmm. of be able to position myself. Were you a coffee drinker before? Yeah, I was, but I think a lot. Of, you know, I was. I started my coffee journey probably in Sumatra. Okay. I didn't know what I didn't know, and I didn't yeah. know a lot. And whilst I was drinking coffee back in the UK before I was away, um, I was probably drinking all the wrong kinds of coffee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't have any idea about the magnitude of the whole coffee supply chain. Okay. Yeah, so you returned to the UK and... You've now had the introduction to coffee, and now you decide to to go full steam into the world of coffee. Yeah, and um, what I realised that actually roasting coffee was was something that I wanted to learn mm-hmm. more about. Um, if I hadn't seen people roasting coffee, then I could bet 
a lot of other people hadn't seen people roasting coffee. Yep. So for me, it was about the drama and it was about the theatre of roasting coffee mm-hmm. and about being able to showcase that to people who would want to just get involved in that. And yes. so by creating a market for, for freshly roasted coffee, mm-hmm. I would be able to buy direct from these cooperatives and these farmers and yes. hopefully create create a a bit of a, a business but you know mm. I, I never expected what was around the corner okay part two the road to roasting wisdom besides humble another word which came to represent what you do at Roundton coffee and perhaps something that you developed over the years is care so care for quality care for the environment and care for your community you provide superior quality coffees carefully sourced by the team from coffee farmers like the one you met in Sumatra and you've built a relationship with these farmers based on a communal goal of sustainable coffee growing practices. Now at the start of any business venture you have to make those initial decisions and as you just mentioned you didn't quite know what was around the corner. What was your initial vision for Roundton Coffee Roasters? You've used the word a lot humble and, um, you know, and I think that was basically, it was just a, a bit of a, a dream more than anything. Mm-hmm. I was living in the countryside. We got this opportunity for a, for a nice building to do a little bit of coffee roasting. And and I just pictured myself living in the countryside, roasting a bit of coffee, being able to pay my bills and just living this... So you did think about you were going to sell the coffee you roasted. You you weren't just in it for like roasting for friends and family and. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was. I don't know. It's transporting it back. At the time, I was doing farmers markets. Okay. So I was actually selling the coffee on farmers markets. Mm -hmm. So we were doing lots of the local farmers markets. So so whilst I was selling it to friends and family, you know, I was selling it also to to people on the farmers market. So it was. So I was doing this all all along really and I think um, but it was it was to do something that I, I was really wanting to learn more about and to yeah to, to sell it and to try to to get off the gravy terrain mm-hmm. and to, to to sustain a living uh, myself so that mm-hmm. was like you know yes. an objective mm-hmm. that I wanted to, to try and fulfill okay so obviously you started the first speciality coffee roaster in North Yorkshire. That sets Roundton apart in in some way, but that you have you've also thought deeply about what speciality coffee should mean to the community, which adds to what makes you different from other coffee businesses in the Northeast or even in the UK and so forth. In fact, you focus specifically on ex- exposing this whole coffee world to people who perhaps would never have had the chance to to know about it um, because they're not living in a city like London or New York. So why speciality coffee? Why did you choose that? And what does it actually represent to you? And then also kind of like an extension of that, what do you want it to represent to the public? So uh, specialty coffee is, is, is a term that's banded around quite loosely. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Specialty coffee has got a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. Uh, speciality, in reality, is is high quality coffee 
that's been um, been roasted well, and it's brought out the the unique origin characteristics. So it's a, it's a it's basically just a bloody good cup of coffee. But but specialty coffee means it can mean a lot of other things to other people. So people can you can you can score coffee. So it's got to be over a certain score uh, mm-hmm. of uh, an approved score. So there's lots of definitions. But I think that a lot of people hang on to that word specialty mm-hmm. and uh, make it something that it's not, and almost make it like an exclusive club. Yes. And and this is this is something that, that you know. I'm kind of quite against, you know, we see the Instagrammable world that we live in at the moment, which is completely false. And, um, and all, yeah, we subscribe to Instagram. We do all, all of the social media, mm-hmm. but for, for us, we want to provide good coffee to people who want to drink good coffee. Now, if we try to form an exclusive club, that you need to be an exclusive member of, then actually, we're, you know, what's the what's the point in that? Yes. You know, if we are roasting specialty coffee that we've paid a good price for, and all along the supply chain, everybody is going to get rewarded for, and the farmer who's at the bottom of that supply chain, if he is getting paid uh, a sustainable living, then, in my mind. Being a coffee roaster or a business where you've got to be a, me- it doesn't do it any good for anybody. Mm-hmm. So if we can open up the doors to the speciality world, then actually that's only going to do more good than not. Yes, and I think this is reflected in, for example, your social media usage because you do show a lot of images of where the coffee actually comes from, and this is not necessarily like a very, I don't know beautiful looking cup of cappuccino you although you do that as well yeah. but it it shows the journey more than anything else like the story behind the coffee yeah we just we just, we just yeah. want coffee to be accessible yeah you know if you want a good cup of coffee then you know we just want to be able to give you that good cup of coffee yeah. and um mm-hmm. and actually if you want to know the story of the coffee we can give you that but but we we make sure that all of our coffees are traceable and that the price that we pay makes sure that people are not losing out. So for me, if we can open the doors for that, yes. sell more of that specialty coffee, then you know it's win-win for everybody. Okay. So roasting coffee and distributing it alongside coffee machinery and equipment for restaurants and cafes is one side of your business. You also opened up a few coffee shops, which of course gives you that opportunity to interact directly with your customers. Learning, first of all, about what they enjoy, but also introducing them to a new appreciation of the flavor intricacies of coffee. So how does the combination of your team, your values and the coffee shops overall set you apart from the broader coffee community? If you had to perhaps summarize that in... Yeah, um, I mean, the good thing is that we've got a, a really good team at Rountain Coffee. Um, we we have a team of coffee enthusiasts, but also very technically minded people, mm-hmm. um, but also very approachable people uh, as well. But people who, you know, they want to be in the coffee business themselves. So that's the, the first thing. So that when you engage yeah. with anybody who works with, with us, 
you know, you should you should hopefully feel that you're, you're dealing with somebody who wants to be there. And um, and I think that kind of filters down and around uh, for, around the people who are working uh, with us. That it it is we we want people to to want to be here. And uh, why would you know? This is not a job. This is not really a job. You know, we roast coffee, we drink coffee, we talk about coffee. Um, what is the not that to like about coffee, this? That's yeah. why it's the coffee paradise. This and is that's why yeah. I say, I'll drop this, this is it. This is not a real job. Why am I doing podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and this is the reality. It's um, you know we've all and a lot of the people that do work with us have had you know, inverted commas, real jobs where they've, they've had the butterflies because they didn't want to go into work mm-hmm. because of the long hours or because of the conditions, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, we don't want to be that business um, and we want to provide a, a good service and we want to, you know, it's about our people and it's about our planet. You know, okay. those are the two things that are important to us. Yeah. So, um, you know, that that's that's our our focus. Okay, great. And I think just just a quick comment on that. The reason why I keep going back to Roundhorn is because of that. It's just like your customers do sense that and then they stay loyal. That's, yeah, it's quite, yeah. quite simple. But unfortunately for any entrepreneur, you do have that initial question of how am I going to actually finance my business venture? How did you go about the financial side of setting up and sustaining Roundhorn Coffee? Yeah, um, you know, the... We started on on farmers markets, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's was there any funding in place before? No, that, no, oh, absolutely nothing. Kind of like a- a- zero, okay. didn't he squat? You know, you don't. You yeah. New businesses tend not to get that much support. Mm-hmm. There is support out there now. Now I can see it, <laughs> but when you when you're trying to start, you don't even mm-hmm. know where to look. No. So um, so I was lucky enough to be able to buy or fund the roaster mm-hmm. myself. Uh, but ultimately, we weren't given any help from anybody. It's um, it's 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 the energy that you put into the business that the energy that you get out of the business. All right. Okay. And then, would you say that it just kind of grew enough to become sustainable, and never you got never got to the point where you were like, okay, well. I do now need to perhaps in, find investors. That this is a very common question for yeah. So. That's right. Um, I think we've had we've had a very long journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, every penny that we have earned, we have put it back into the business because we believe in it. Mm-hmm. So, so we, you know, we we we've been approached. People have spoke to us, and 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 everyone's got their own agenda. And although we've explored lots of um, avenues. I think ultimately, you know, we don't want any outside influence that is going to change or alter the path that we are on. The path that we are on, we know is 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 the correct path, and we don't want that to be influenced by somebody yes. who's got a financial uh, incentive. Yes, exactly. uh, because we are incentivized, you know, by by our people and we are incentivized by what we can do to provide mm-hmm. a, a positive impact mm-hmm. and and that's not always financially motivated yes. so when you do introduce people who have got a financial incentive then it's you're not you're not aligned yes no that's a brilliant point that you just made there and often overlooked when uh, 
for example, entrepreneurs are just like facing the the numbers, like the Excel spreadsheet. I think there's there's plenty of businesses that would yes. benefit from yeah. from uh, the 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 investment, mm-hmm. and and it depends what the individual or the business owner wants for that yeah. business. Now, there's people who have got different agendas than yes. than ours. Our agenda is is very different. Mm-hmm. So whilst we don't you know, we don't deny anybody their own decisions. It's just not the right decision for us. Okay, fair enough. And then, so what has been your most surprising success so far? Oh, that, yeah, that's a difficult one because it's just a series of successes and failures. Okay. And and we can, you know, if you talk about successes, you've got to talk about the failures as well. And we've had yes. a copious amounts of failures. Okay. Um, so shall we start there? <laughs> <laughs> what has been your... No, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it. it's, it's um, every day brings successes and failures. Okay. Um, and and I think the... the well, okay, so the, the, the success that we have have is our ability to pick ourselves up after the countless amounts of failures mm-hmm. okay. and uh and and for any new business it is this is literally the the hardest thing that anybody can do is try to develop a business because it is all so consuming and it mm-hmm. will consume your time mentally and physically so so our success is our ability to to pick ourselves up and, and carry on okay and then on the flip side i mean COVID-19 has impacted many independent businesses negatively. I mean, it's just impacted businesses, the economy, yeah. every, everyone, yeah. basically. So how did you negotiate the situation at Round & Coffee? And have you made any major changes to how you operate? Yeah, so so coffee, we, we panicked just as, as anybody else did. Um, I think the what we noticed, though, was that whilst people weren't drinking coffee in coffee shops that we were supplying Mm -hmm. that they would go home and uh, although they were in lockdown they still wanted coffee to be drunk whilst they're at home so we were really encouraged we were worried and alarmed uh, in the first few weeks but then actually as people started to order the coffee online then it just gave us a reason to to carry on roasting Mm -hmm. and it just enabled us to keep the light on Okay. Uh, a little bit longer so so we were able to, to to kick the can down the road a little bit longer uh we we went to single man operations mm-hmm. we did everything safely and it, it did ac- covid definitely has accelerated some of the decision making that we might have just limped along a little bit and that is um you know more home working not necessarily all being uh together in the roastery and um and just looking at looking at where we would like to be in the future as well okay do you think you're going to go into a a focus of like more widespread selling of your coffee like uh, it's uh, it's it's interesting because whilst we've got plans and we we want to have fairly loose plans i guess about how we want to be as a business it ultimately it's where the business takes us now Mm-hmm. So so we need to just adapt to the ever-changing environment that yes. we're living in. So whilst we have plans, and in January, if you'd have asked me a question, I'd, I'd have said, this is the year that we're going to chill out, we're going to just yeah. kind of get systems in place mm-hmm. and, and just get better at what we do. But, you know, uh, everything's everything's changed since then. Mm-hmm. So 
as a business, we just need to adapt and we yep. just need to try to to focus on the things that um, or, or the direction that we want to go into and just make sure that we don't get too distracted. Yes. Okay. And um, just on the point that you mentioned about people during lockdown, people still wanted to drink coffee. It was actually like one of the best things discovering how easy it was to order your coffee online, <laughs> which I've never done before, and I don't know why. <laughs> just always well, went well, to, well, I just always went to the. This is shops. it. We've all <laughs> see. We've always had online presence. Yeah. And um, and I think as soon as people actually, uh, and Very it nice. is quite easy to order online. It and is. It does come. <laughs> and it comes and it's at your door and it's there and you can just choose whatever you want. Easy peasy. <laughs> I know. Part three, choosing your flavor profile for life. Speciality beverages. These are drinks like wine, coffee, often have an intriguing history that can actually be tasted when we drink them. In the case of coffee, the beans are sourced normally from family-run farms that have been around for ages, and because of the location and climate, produce a unique flavor. In a way, you can taste the history behind the drink. For many of us, the complexity of coffee comes down to the style we prefer. Whether it's Americano, Cappuccino, Macchiato, Flat White, and so on. But in reality, the complexity is in the flavor of the bean, and these can be incredibly diverse. Firstly, and this is now a little bit more on the technical side, can you tell us more about coffee cupping and how someone who perhaps have not been introduced to the different flavor profiles of coffee should go about exploring this? Okay, so coffee cupping is, is essentially just the assessment of coffee in a very standardized way. So very similar to wine tasting, um, coffee cupping has its own unique um, standard and and the reason why we do coffee cupping is there's a few different reasons uh, one we want to score the coffee we want to assess the coffee we want to look for defects um, but also we want to be able to assess the quality of the roast or the way that the, the coffee has been farmed now when we standardize something what we're doing is everything is the same the way that we drink the coffee so it'll be the same amount of water the same temperature of water the same water hardness the same um, vessel the same quantity of coffee all of this kind of stuff so the only difference that you have is actually the the coffee itself so you might have a coffee from you might have three different coffees from guatemala for example mm -hmm. So the only difference in this, the only variation in this is actually the coffee beans. Everything else has been standardised. So, so you're able to then quite accurately assess the differences between, between each coffee. So okay. coffee cupping is essentially just a, a standardised way of assessing coffee. Now the reason why it is important is that uh, we, we are lucky to have Dave Burton, who's a, our Q grader. Mm -hmm. He's only one of 80 people in the UK who's actually qualified to be able to accurately assess quality to a to a benchmark standard okay. and um and essentially he, if he is scoring a coffee on this side of the world his palate should essentially be standardized the same as that guatemalan coffee who is also a q grader who is also assessing his own coffee so they will be able to essentially uh, exchange 
tasting notes and tasting scores on that same coffee and they should always be a, a fairly accurate assessment of that coffee okay. so it's it's it's, it's essentially a, it's an international coffee language i see and then is this something that the public can do i'm not talking about like choosing the coffee and saying that's better coffee or that so on but like as an experience maybe just to taste different flavor notes or absolutely yeah it's something that you can do very easily at home uh okay. the, the, the you know it's quite easy to search what the the recipe is to, to do a coffee uh, assessment uh for me i think just drink black coffee keep the the recipe the same try different processed coffees and then you'll get an understanding of the different varieties that are available or at least the flavor profiles that, mm. that you can get with some coffees yes okay and then is there a right or wrong way to drink coffee? Uh, so this, uh, absolutely not. Uh, coffee is subjective. You know, if I prefer coffee this way, what right do I have to tell you that the way that you were doing it is incorrect? So if Even you, though we feel very strongly about the way we drink our coffee. <laughs> yeah, so, so this is it. I think, if, um, I think it, it's up to us as coffee roasters and coffee enthusiasts yeah. to, to try to show different ways of enjoying coffee mm -hmm. um, but it's not our job to tell you how you should be drinking coffee it's just um, we have our own recipes and standards and and whatnot but but I am in no position to tell anybody that they should be enjoying coffee like this because okay. as I say coffee is is very subjective okay so say in a imaginary world where everybody drinks coffee the way you drink it what is the best way to drink it ah okay so <laughs> it depends what day you ask me because uh -huh. uh, at the moment i'm drinking uh filter coffee um yeah. my preferred brewing method at the moment is aeropress okay. uh, i've got a quite a, a special recipe that i use um which is has this been shared on the round and coffee youtube channel uh, with all your <laughs> recipes. i'm not sure uh, but it's it's it is quite it, it's it's 30 grams of coffee quite coarsely ground mm -hmm. in an aeropress it's okay. it's really quite simple we can we can share that probably on our socials i'm pretty sure it's there okay yeah just on that note it is Quite interesting. Have a little look at their YouTube channel because you'll find all sorts of different ways of uh, making your coffee. And I learned a few ways that I'm actually using now currently. I'm learning. Interesting. Actually, yeah, I learned a well, lot. Well, the, 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 the cafetiere yeah, method is it. yeah. Right. The cafetiere method is just yeah. uh, the cafetiere without a plunge. Yes. So it's um, yeah, just a different way. Yeah, and and it, and, th and that way, incidentally, is, is very similar to how you would cup a coffee. Oh, okay. So the same. It's a similar sort of recipe. But just a different ratio. Yeah. So if you can do that using a cafetiere, mm. and if you did that using different uh, coffees, then essentially you, you're almost doing a, a cupping at home. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. So before we wrap up, the uh, last couple of questions. Thinking of the diversity of the coffee flavors. Some of us might prefer some acidic tasting coffee with fruity tones or more mellow coffees that have a creamier, nuttier palate. And this is especially when you drink coffee black, because otherwise I think the milk and so on sometimes just dilute the, the actual flavors. So it is in a way the same for our lives. So some of us follow a path or have a space, especially in terms of work, 
where we might be feel more at ease or happier. Sometimes, however, we do get stuck on a path that is not suited to us. And it is kind of like getting in the habit of just drinking a type of coffee that we don't enjoy much. So what would you tell someone who feels stuck in a job that they are perhaps not enjoying or someone who really aspires to do something else but is resistant to taking that first step to change their situation? That's a that's a very deep question and um and it's one that I can only I can only encourage people just to try to do things that would challenge them. And I think uh if you if you do things that you are challenged by then you feel the benefit of it only retrospectively. Mm-hmm. You don't nobody enjoys the moment when you are challenged and living in, and you're in fear because of a decision that you've made and the the heightened level of anxiety it's it's the kind of effect afterwards it's how you feel afterwards being able to 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 to, to demonstrate to yourself that you're actually capable of doing something yeah. i think um it it's just be brave uh make a bold decision and and realize what is what's the the fear of failure what what is failure is failure actually not trying or failure trying it and failing you know for me failure is wanting to do something and not even giving it a try that's my definition of failure okay wonderful thank you so much for joining me today dave so before i go before we wrap up the show i have a few quick questions my favorite questions and feel free to elaborate as much as you like or to keep them short it's up to you what is the most recent film series you watched podcast you listened to or book you read i'm reading uh, a book by albert camus at the moment uh, the plague all right yeah well you're i thought in, you're that into french literature then? yeah 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 so i'm, I'm reading reading that one uh, and also uh, enjoying po- it <laughs> Well, it's it's good because yeah. actually it's it's written in the forties or fifties, and yes. and it's all talking about the plague, the pandemic mm-hmm. that yes. happens in a, in a in a village, and and the similarities to to what we're ex- mm-hmm. living through now is staggering. Okay. You know, and uh, podcast. Well, there's plenty of podcasts, but one of the ones that I particularly enjoy is uh, it's called the Daily, and it's a, a New York Times, oh. New York Times. So it's it's very American heavy mm-hmm. but it's uh, a lot of current affairs but mm-hmm. it's it's very very good journalism i would say okay and what important truth do very few people agree with you on yeah that i read that question i was like oh what well it, it's obviously that i'm a i'm a excellent footballer it had to be <laughs> that one <laughs> well luckily it was not it's well somebody said the the entire podcast that's actually my last episode somebody said everything i just said (laughs) (laughs) so football it is yes tell us about the biggest challenge you have overcome in your life uh the the word overcome is i I think there's there's biggest there's lots of challenges i think the biggest one is is trying to be a good dad and Mm -hmm. um and and trying to try and do everything that i possibly can to uh, being a parent is is probably the the biggest challenge that anybody can can uh, can 
can go on it. You know, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, thing to do, but it's also like the most frightening thing that you could also uh, happen upon. So mm-hmm. yeah, the biggest challenge is is being a dad, and okay. um, and hopefully, hopefully I'm doing all right at this. <laughs> and then, what is your favourite place in the world, and why? It's got to be well. It's got to be Yorkshire in the northeast. Uh, it's got to be home. Okay. You know, it, it's where it's where I returned mm-hmm. after travelling all around the world. It's it's where I came back to to live and to to set up. So it, it is absolutely within a within a twenty thirty mile radius of where I live. You know, it's it's okay. a beautiful part of the world. That's true, and that's why I'm still here as well. Yeah. <laughs> What advice would you give to someone wishing to enter a career in coffee? Top tip. Yeah, top tip is just uh, learn and knock on doors. You know, people are always looking for good people. And um, and just read, learn and drink plenty of coffee. Good advice. That's the easiest, the easiest thing yes. I can imagine. I'll follow that advice. Thanks for listening to the show and once again thank you to Dave for joining me thank you you can order your own bag of carefully sourced and deliciously roasted coffee through their website roundandcoffee.co.uk and believe me they have such an amazing range it's going to take you forever to decide which one you want but still go there and can people find you on social media where do the all the usual channels round and coffee round and coffee roasters and then just quickly, where are your coffee shops in case somebody just wants to go and So a we have two in Middlesbrough, Bedford Street Coffee, and we have The Corner, which is also in Debenhams as well. Okay. Now, for listeners who have been with me from episode one all the way to episode 20, you have no idea how much I appreciate your support. And to new listeners, thank you so much for trying this podcast. If you enjoyed this narrative journey, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Do leave us a rating and review on Apple as we love to hear your feedback. And don't forget to download and try our app. Be part of the future of podcasts. Search for Regeneration Studio in the App Store or Google Play and you'll find us. And then last but not least, why not share Roundton Coffee's journey with a friend who loves coffee or somebody who wants to become a barista or just wants to become involved and find out more about coffee's journey from bean to cup. Spread the word on the best and most extraordinary stories of local entrepreneurs and community transformation. Join me next time for more narrative journeys into creative business ideas.